power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello and welcome along to Just Like in the Movies brought to you by gkmedia.ie for our Christmas special where we look back on a phenomenal year of pretty much zero cinema. Joined as always by Dave Coyne. Pleasure to be here. And Lisa Tracy. Good evening. And we have a very special guest as well on the show today because Will Collins, writer of Wolf Walkers, which is currently on Apple Plus TV, will be joining us as well to talk about that movie that is currently streaming. Let's start with where it all kind of kicked off with Tenant coming out at the start of the year. Fair play, they pushed to release a movie and get people back in the cinema. Tom Cruise himself turned up for the opening of the movie in London. Uh, and we thought, this is the start. Cinema is about to take off again. Because the last show we did was the Oscars special in February. Mm -hmm. And we were about to do a big deal that we were going to announce. Yeah. And then that kind of fell flat in its face because yeah. the cinema's closed. Tom Cruise didn't show up, so no. <laughs> it all fell away, yeah. So Tenet, talk Tenet, to me, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was, it's, a, it's a big tentpole movie, huge budget. Huge expectations, um, you know, Robert Pattinson, big star, uh, John David Washington, or is it David John Washington, I forget, um, who it's a lot of people- so long ago. But a lot of, yeah, a lot of people don't even realize that he's Denzel's, Denzel Washington's son. You know, he's an up and coming star, a big star now, and you know, Christopher Nolan. So it was huge. The anticipation, which I was, you know, salivating at the prospect of this film. And obviously went to see it in COVID times, which mm -hmm. as we know is a bit tricky. and. Um, you know, masks and all the rest of it, and went in, and I was super excited. And I was watching this, and I was big screen, and you know, we all, the reason we're here is we love movies. And I was thrilled, and I was enjoying it, and then it was... I'm waiting for the bus. It was just, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but if I just start talking, and then all of a sudden I go, you're not gonna know what I'm saying. And the sound mix was so bad, you couldn't hear what the actors were saying through 40% of the movie. And it really bugged me, and I think, it was, you know, obfuscation. It was just obscuring the plot to make the plot more interesting. And the plot is, con you know, the concept of time travel and not time travel as such, but time manipulation. And these guys are going back in time and these guys are going forward in time. Hence, the word tenet is palindromic. It's the same forwards as backwards. And it's 10, 10. So we have a countdown of 10 minutes or 10 seconds or whatever the hell it is to get to this crux point where we save the world from annihilation or whatever the hell it is. And um, the concept is really interesting. The visuals were amazing, but the film as a story was nonsense because I couldn't follow it. Mm. And I have a reasonably high IQ. I'm a reasonably smart guy. <laughs> I'm not a stupid idiot. And I was paying attention. I paid attention. I wasn't tweeting or, you know, mm. uh, taking selfies. And you can't keep up because you can't, you're like, what did you say? Sorry? Literally after about two or three minutes, I was like, what, what, what did that but person someone say? Someone said to me before that Michael Bay introduced the thing into movies, especially like the Transformers movies, where he just got the characters to talk absolute gobbledygook, almost like a new language, but people are hooked. Even though they really probably didn't understand what was going on, they thought, oh, wow, this is amazing. Maybe in a Michael Bay movie where all they're getting is explosions and they can't hear anymore. Exactly. Like if it's just robots going wah, 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 bang, boom, pow, that's fine, but this is a Christopher Nolan movie. This is, sorry, I've got to hear me. You expected more. You expect it. a plot. You expect, you know, if you think about um, Inception, you know, the detail of the juicy plot, and I love Inception, yeah. the masterful storytelling of, okay, you're going to be here and then we're going to get the kick and details of the plot and time is 
different in the dream layers and now we got to, it's deep and I can remember it because I, my ears absorbed the information. Mm. I mean, if you start writing a sentence in a book and you have used English letters and words or whatever language you're using and suddenly it kind of disappears into a scribble and it's just ink on a page, then your comprehensive bridge to the information breaks down. And yeah. I mean, yeah, and of course, people will forgive bad picture, but they'll never forgive bad sound. But should we have ADR, you know, a, a automatic dialogue replacement on every film. So if you're watching the next James Bond movie or any old movie and there's an explosion and the person goes, what are we doing? The actor goes to the studio afterwards, after they've shot it, and they do an automatic dialogue replacement and they say, what are we doing? In a lovely clear tone. And then the sound mixer mixes it so the audience can see and hear the explosion and hear the actors say the line that's in the script, not noise. Lisa, I I think it's like we had an argument or it's like the Citizen Kane (laughs) thing with the table keeps getting longer. (laughs) How are you, Lisa? I'm okay. Um, yeah, there was some suggestion lately that if you go back and watch Tenet with the subtitles on, that that should make the movie make sense. But then people went crazy about it going, that doesn't make any sense. Which it doesn't, because, you know, you go to see a movie, if, if it needed subtitles, they should have put them in at the start and not this kind of tacked on at the end. Oh, you really get it if you have the, the subtitles. And you're like, but there was nothing to get. I, I, I felt like I got the movie. Like, I, I got it. But I was like, but it just, it didn't have the same grab as Inception or Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises or any of them. But I remember Vanilla Sky, when I saw Vanilla Sky, afterwards I said, yeah, I got it. And then 10 minutes later, I was completely confused again. (laughs) And then when I rewatched it six months later, I was like, I got it. But but then I forgot. But what happens when you're, but Gary, what happens when you're in the movie? And you get this feeling of, ah, oh, okay, I have no idea what's going on because they've lost me, yeah. like on purpose. I feel like you're back at school again. Well, yeah, well, yeah. But it's, I don't know. I don't know. And I've, I've, I've commented been... on a lot of threads where, you know, f- some uh, film uh, a competitor of ours would say so on a Twitter, you know, here's an article that explains Tenet. If a movie needs an article to explain it, mm. There's something wrong with the movie. Mm-hmm. It's in the wrong. It shouldn't be in a cinema. It should be in a, in a, in a museum, in a museum, um, an art gallery, because mm. it's an art piece about sound and noise and experience and explosions going through your brain and actors mumbling. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, we'll move on because we've loads to get through. Out of ten, uh, f- five. Five. That's because it was spectacular to look at, and but I wanted so much more. It could if they just did a proper sound mix, it could have been like a nine. But sorry, lads, five at best. Lisa? Six, purely for, I love Christopher Nolan. That's a high six. Okay, there you go. Um, five and a half, if I did my maths right, <laughs> on average. He did pay attention to school. <laughs> for the new Christopher Nolan movie. Now, things started changing again. Cinemas were shut with lockdown happening again. And everyone was expecting Mulan. And when we were in the Ice Cinema in February, there was a big poster behind us for Mulan. And... It didn't come out. And then Disney said, you know what? We're going to release it on Disney+. Plus. And they were actually, as we spoke about before, very clever having Disney+, Plus coming out during the lockdown because, of course, they got huge uh, subscribers for it. But release it on Disney+, Plus also meant that if you wanted to watch it there, you had to pay more on top of the subscription that you already had. For Christmas 2020, they've released it now. So if you have Disney+, Plus, you can watch it without paying anything further. Was it a movie worth paying for, Lisa? No. Did you it, see the animation? Uh, no, I didn't see the animation. I think I'm just, I missed the cutoff of the age that you would have appreciated that animation. Um, I'm far too old. It came out too late for me. You went anyway, from Disney to Tarantino. I did. Kind of. There was a very quick switch there. <laughs> but um, 
no, it was it was grand. Like, but I feel like I've seen it before. Like, it wasn't it wasn't anything spectacular. It was just you know, oh look, it's shot for shot of what I presume the other movie was, as in the the mm. animation was. So I was like, yeah, okay, fine. But I. Uh, I have to say, it is the fact that I'm watching it. It was my first one that I was really trying to pay attention, watching it on the small screen, and I just didn't enjoy it. I just felt like it was the kind of movie that needed the big cinema experience because it had it had lovely colours in it. It had lovely lovely visuals and lovely action sequences that needed the whole full surround sound of a cinema. I just thought watching it on my TV at home is quite small, and it didn't really work. It was just, it's made for movie, made for the cinema. Sorry. Dave, should Disney have held off? I think they should have held off because uh, Disney ha- owns everything. Disney has more money than God, you know, in terms of finances. It's not like they were like, oh, we need to pay our bills. Yeah, we, uh, we're in trouble here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Disney have enough money to release everything and give it all to us for free, almost. And I don't know why they released I just don't understand why they released it because as Lisa said, it's a cinematic film. And when you talk about, whenever I produce anything myself, the first question I ask my clients is, where's this going? And because I work in tech, it's usually, well, it's going to be on the internet. Right, 720p, that'll do us. We don't need 4K panoramic widescreen because that's not where it's going to be consumed. So you make, you cut your cloth to suit your measure. And if you make a cinematic film and then you give it to somebody on a widescreen TV in their sitting room on a 50-inch TV, it's not the same experience and it's not right. Like, where do you draw the line? Well, let's look at a sequel now that is based on a TV show that was out for years. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman. Very excited that Wonder Woman was coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprised it came out this early, considering the fact that we're, it's pretty much known fact we're going to go back into lockdown again. For me, I thought it looked pretty good. But you're the experts. Lisa? It, this is a case of a movie with the greatest trailer that just falls flat on its face. <laughs> Okay. It is, it's, it's a lie, this movie, okay. because it was making me think, I'm going to see like 80s movie, all the cliches, all the music. I was really looking forward to the music. I don't think there was one piece of 80s music in the entire movie. Now, I know it was Hans Zimmer that uh, did the soundtrack for this movie, but there was no music. There was no like, you know, I, I don't know, I can't remember who was it. It was Duran Duran or somebody really like funky in 80s. But like they, they sold the movie with that trailer. Yeah. Like everybody bought their ticket thinking, oh, we're going to get this class movie. And plus going on the first movie, which was brilliant. I loved the first movie. But this one was not good. It was, oh, Dave, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Lisa and I went to see this film together. So we know where we're both coming from. I agree with Lisa 100%. I think this movie had so much potential. Uh, Patty Jenkins is a, is a really good director. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to her, her work because she impressed me so much with the first Wonder Woman movie, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really like first class superhero film. Nothing, just removing the, the feminist element from it. It was a brilliant action superhero movie with some brilliant moments. I'm sure everybody remembers the moment where she, she throws off the, the jacket and she's got her outfit and she walks across no man's land in World War I and there's all these German soldiers shooting at her and she goes pew, pew, and the music is there and it's like goosebumps and you're like, yes. There wasn't even a moment like that in this entire film. It was flat. But the trailer look, makes uh, it look the trailer, the, the, the person who, who caught the trailer needs an Oscar for the yeah. best trailer of the century because <laughs> it was complete lie. The film is flat. It's, it's the most MacGuffin-y film. For those of you who don't know what a MacGuffin is, a MacGuffin is 
this box is the box of destiny and this will make our script make sense. You know, a yeah. MacGuffin. You write a script and you're like, okay, we need a MacGuffin. Okay, um, a staff of Ra or some nonsense object that we throw into the script that makes everything work. And this film is the most MacGuffin-y thing. There's, a, there's an old amulet glass thing that grants wishes. Have we ever heard that before? Has that ever been done before? <laughs> I don't, anyway, never mind. And, it's, and then like the MacGuffin person who's researching it and he's been searching it forever and he finds it. He wishes to become it. So one of the characters literally becomes the MacGuffin. It's the laziest, stupidest writing of a script I've ever, it was absolute nonsense. And you've got this wonderful character, Wonder Woman, who's a brilliant character, yeah. Gal Gadot, pronunciation correct, mm -hmm. Gal Gadot is, she's brilliant as Wonder Woman. She is the embodiment of Wonder Woman. Is it Gal Gadot or it Gal Gadot? Is, it is. I've seen her. I've seen her, Gadot, I've seen her say Gal Gadot. She pronounced herself Gal Gadot before. No, it's Gal Gadot. I've, I've asked her, trust me. But it's nonsense. The boyfriend is brought back from the dead through wish, wishes, but it's him, but it's not him. There's no proper 80s. It's like, why? why here's a question. Mm. Why is it Wonder Woman 1984? Yeah. It could have been Wonder Woman 2003. It makes no, there's no reason yeah. in the script for it to be 1984, other than this is the production the designers went, hmm, wouldn't cool. it be fun to make an 80s movie? That's the only reason. Well, that would Maybe. have been the fun element. But no. they didn't dial the 80s-ness up, as Lisa said. Yeah. Mm. It was just like the car was in the, the red car at the kind of premiere party type thing, and then the music, and that was like pushing the movie. But you see that for two seconds. You see a couple of cars, and, but there's no music, and there's no yeah. vibe of the 80s. The CGI was substandard. Um, and... Lisa loves it when I use the word trope, but there was tropes in there of the superhero loses their power because of love. Uh, Superman 2, anybody? <coughs> yeah. Cough, cough. And they have to sacrifice their love to save the world. I mean, it's just tropey. It's like, what have we got in the back? Let's see if we got some yeah, old yeah, stuff yeah. that we can plug into our plot. It's lazy writing. It's lazy. It's been done to death. And this, this, the finale, oh my God, like nuclear missiles flying through the air through magic. And we have to... MacGuffin the MacGuffin, put the MacGuffin into a box or say a magic word or get somebody to say something to make it stop. It's all just mcguffin -y. And then the, f the fight sequence at the end with um, Kristen Wiig, who was brilliant in it. Mm. Kristen Wiig was brilliant because she is so underrated. She's a brilliant actress. Gal Gadot is brilliant as well. But the film, the wrapping, the structure, it fell flat across the board for me. The best part of it is the opening sequence with the young Wonder Woman, yeah. which mm. was a phenomenal opening sequence. Really got me G'd up and then it just went flat from there. Yeah. Lisa out of 10? Five. Sorry. Dave? Four. Four. <laughs> so I have to do my calculations again. So four and a half out of 10 then is the average score there. And Mulan, out of 10? Six. Lisa? Five again, sorry. Right, okay. <laughs> Work it out for yourselves, there you go. Um, now a movie that I think is well worth watching and it's not just because we have the writer of the movie on the show today. But I think what makes Wolf Walkers work is it's just a good bloody story. Bingo. Absolutely. That's the key, Hollywood. Get a good story first. So Will Collins, writer of Wolf Walkers, thank you for joining us on Just Like in the Movies today. We were just commenting there uh, before you joined us on Zoom how of all the other movies we have discussed, this one works. And it's because, not saying it because you're the writer, but it's because there's an actually good story there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, um, primarily, you know, when you go to the cinema, you're there to be entertained and you're there to be transported 
to uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, to someplace else for a while. And uh, storytelling is fundamental to you know to that. And um, it's storytelling is you know f- fundamental to the human experience, really. So, um, so, so we aimed. We we spent uh, an awful lot of time working on the story for Wolfwalkers. I started in. Uh, work on it in 2013. Uh, Tom and Ross, the directors, already had the idea uh, and had kind of uh, found the setting and found this cool legend about the wolves in Ossery. And uh, they'd also they, we, they'd seen this uh, this lovely documentary that was on I, either on RTE or TG Car at the time. Uh, it was a, a two episode about Wolfland, about the wolf uh, or wolf population, and um, how it was kind of wiped out. Um, a, you know, during the, um, you know, primarily because of the Cromwellian efforts. So, uh, you know, we had a great setting, you know, uh, for our story. And when I came on board, you know, uh, I really kind of like, you know, you know, our job was to make the story as compelling and as entertaining as possible. Um, and I'd been working, obviously, I'd worked with Tom more before in Cartoon Saloon uh, on Song of the Sea. So we had uh, a pretty continuous flow of a relationship from 2008 straight on into this. And we kind of wanted to build on our storytelling chops, really, um, to make this different, to make this exciting, to tell uh, an adventurous story that will appeal to any audience, whether you knew about the Wills of Ossery, whether you knew about Oliver Cromwell. Um, we knew our kind of first and foremost, uh, uh, I suppose, duty as storytellers was to entertain. And if we could do a little bit more than that besides that uh then great and um so thanks very much it seems we did our job successfully yeah what i really enjoyed about it is the fact that my seven-year-old daughter and i could both watch it together and really enjoy it and it's seldom that we actually get those moments again she's learning about her culture and her heritage and i think a movie like this as well is very important for Irish children to see, as well as other children, just to kind of get a sense of our uh, mysticalism that we have. Well, that's great. It's absolutely important for 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 everyone to have an awareness of you know you know where they live and their the history of you know of, of you know of their own land of their own people. Uh, you know, with I suppose uh, particularly our history is a, is a big thing for us and the stories that we that kind of identify us as as Irish people. I find that history when it's taught to us and Irish when it's taught to us in a, in a cold, in, in, in the environment that we grew up in, which was kind of like an, in, in a cold Irish Catholic schools, uh, you know, they, that, that it was detached and you, you don't get emotionally engaged in it. Um, the best way to kind of like engage audiences and teach audiences is by, you know, in, engaging our emotions while also educating us. So by, I kind of find Wolf Walker's kind of fascinating because I can't really identify too many Irish films that are set in the period of the, the civil war, the English civil war in, in its phase in Ireland and, and the, the Cromwellian kind of like um, um, invasion of Ireland. And uh, I think it's kind of great that that, that the team and Cartoon Soon had so successfully managed to bring to life, you know, that period of our national story um uh, and uh, I, I think by dramatizing it and and creating an entertaining story it makes that part of our history our identity uh vivid and alive and it will particularly for the next year niece there um it, it, she'll she'll be able to engage in it, it will stick with her as she gets older she'll be able to kind of like check back into oh yeah i remember learning about 
you know, I remember learning about Carl McCraw, <laughs> what a bad dude he was. And uh, there's a little bit Irish that we have in it, but not too much. But that's great to hear anyway, Gary. Final question for you then. I mean, you released a movie at a time when a lot of cinemas are shut down. They're closed at the moment. But at the same time, it was a blessing because you're on Apple TV, which is a major step to be able to take. Um, so you must have been thrilled after securing that deal. Absolutely. It's, it, it, it's, it's kind of, I suppose, in a weird way, it's kind of a perfect, it, it's kind of a, we were kind of benefiting from it a small bit. Of course, we never predicted any of this. You know, one predicted this, you know, when we were in development. We knew through, I, I was aware, you know, from my experience on, you know, Song of the Sea, and I was with the team when um, The Secret of Kells came out in cinemas and the and the breadwinner and you know we, we saw it for all three of those releases like like honestly the 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 cinema attendances uh, nationally weren't great but we were getting we had we cultivated a, a, an amazing global audience like for instance i think song of the sea uh, in china has a huge following you know we're big in china um but in a weird way, I kind of feel, uh, well, what happened was, but it's because of the, our, I suppose, our critical successes, uh, we, you know, that's been able to make each, uh, each consecutive film and the, you know, the Oscar nominations seriously help us as well. Now, in a, in a strange way, I feel that the kind of the pandemic uh, has kind of benefited Wolfwalkers, to be honest with you, because as a result of cinema's closing down and the Hollywood studios kind of like pushing back all their big budget blockbuster movies, those spectacle kind of classical adventure stories. Um, audiences have been deprived of that essential cinema experience where you go uh, with your popcorn to sit down and be entertained for a couple of hours, but also be kind of swept up in the visuals and swept up in a kind of an action adventure story. Um, and because we had, we had the backing of Apple, because Apple, you know, really, you know, um, they co-produced this film as well. So they've been on board for years. And I, I, I feel that we've come out at a, at a time when audiences are craving this type of story. They've been deprived of this type of story and they're kind of getting a spectacle, an epic, an action adventure. And something that's witty and family friendly all at the same time. When we're all craving those, desperately craving those experiences. Um, so in a strange way, it's benefited us. Um, of course, I I really want to be back in cinemas. I I'm, I'm hoping to see Wonder Woman this week, and um, I, I desperately miss it. <laughs> you're you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> oh no, I'm so no. looking forward to it. I haven't seen any reviews, nothing. Anyways, we'll pretend for you, Will, that uh, Wonder Woman is a fantastic movie, and you go and you enjoy Wonder Woman. You deserve it. That's great, uh, Gary and. You know, thanks very much for having me on and thanks for reviewing the film. Uh, it's lovely uh, that you did and um, uh, keep going and hope we, hope you, hopefully we'll be back, you know, watching and reviewing a lot more, lot, many more films in the cinema next year. Um, so uh, cheers. Thank you very much. So thanks, Will, for joining us on Just Like In The Movies. We haven't really got a chance properly to review it, but Dave, quickly to sum up the it's, movie. It, it's, to sum it up, it's a masterpiece. The classic hand-drawn animation gives it that classic timeless feeling. Um, I mean, if you look at, you know, Toy Story 1 from 95, still a brilliant movie, but it looks dated, you know, mm. whereas Wolfwalkers is timeless. 
It's flawless. The acting, the story, the plot, the uniqueness, the newness. It's wonderful, universal. It's a joy. It's a nine and a half out of ten. And I'm only going to hold back the half just so that Will buys me a pint next time <laughs> I see him because it's a masterpiece, yeah. an instant classic masterpiece. And I'm so happy and privileged to know uh, such a genius writer like Will. And the guys in Cartoon Saloon are just masterclass experts in the field of storytelling. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, Studio Ghibli and Cartoon Saloon are right there at the pinnacle. And you've got Pixar there, but Pixar do a different thing. Yeah, yeah. It's gold. Go and see it. Stream it on Apple Plus, but if you can, go to the movies as well. It's an absolute joy to watch. Lisa, a great way to end the year and a great movie for people to watch over Christmas as Absolutely. a family. Absolutely. It's a sweet, sweet movie. It's a, it's, it's a Celtic movie, but it's done right. It's not, it's not cheesy in any way. It's just a great storyline, great animation, beautiful art and beautiful music. Well, that's all we got time for, unfortunately. Uh, I suppose... We pretty much cover the highlights of uh, 2020 because there weren't that many movies out. But hopefully next year there'll be an array of brilliant movies coming out. I know there's loads of sequels coming out next year. But anyways, uh, hopefully there'll be some good stuff as well, like Wolf Walkers. Check it out on Apple Plus TV. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. You're welcome. And thank you as well to Donald, Sean, Fergal and Lorna here at the Town Hall Theatre for accommodating us in a place that is well known for hosting so many film events down to the mm -hmm. years yeah. and many a great actor and actress and director and producer have walked these boards down through the years and it's a privilege uh, to be here uh, hosting our Christmas special of Just Like in the Movies. Have a great Christmas, all the best for New Year's and hopefully we'll have a busy 2021. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>